Hello and welcome to number 28 of Randomer Nintendo. I am Jason and I am joined by two fellow travelers. We have Ooh. on my left, I guess, or coming in, actually, coming in from the Pacific, we have Angel. Hi. And coming in from the virtual Atlantic coast, East Coast, we have Kevin. Although he's actually uh, here in East LA. Coast. Spider-Man. You've been in Manhattan a lot lately, haven't you? I'm not, maybe like three hours, maybe. That I mean, that's that's a day trip, an afternoon. And then coming in from uh, a little bit in the desert, but not actually that far, is me coming back from Vegas. But we have Angel from Japan as well. There's a lot of travel, a lot of movement, a lot of things happening. <laughs> um, how how are you doing on the jet log, Angel? You're back, what, a couple days? That's why we're a day late, something like that? Um... I mean, I came back on Sunday, Sunday morning. I mean, I do love how on the way back, like, you know, my flight was at 2.30 p.m., but I get home at 8.20 a.m. the same day. So it's like literally... Time travel. Like, yeah, it's little, literal time travel. But, you know, that means you get the good with the bad. So on the way over there, you basically lose the whole day. So if you think that, oh, cool, I got a flight to Japan on Friday... You know, at noon, you're really getting there Saturday a couple hours later. But, you know, not horrible, but just something to keep in mind if you're planning a trip to Japan in the near future. Or anywhere just, in Asia, by that same token. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, just expect it's the time difference plus a day. So just, yeah, keep that in mind. Also keep in mind that, yeah, by now the JR Pass has already gone up in price. So if you were also planning on going... Um, yeah, I probably wouldn't recommend the JR Pass anymore if you're just going to be in Tokyo, unless you know you're going to use the bullet train a lot. Like, that's basically how you would measure whether it's worth it or not. I think it's like, we'll say 380 bucks, maybe more, for just seven days. And I think I was and I paid somewhere in like the mid 200s, maybe a little less. Yeah, I think it used to be 260 or something like that, 265. Yeah, and we rode the bullet train like four times, so that already made up for it more. Yeah, made it up for it pretty well, and that wasn't even counting how much we used it in the city. But of course, I don't even take the JR line. There are many lines, like the Tokyo Metro, or the local lines that aren't accounted for, so you do have to pay for those separately. But they're pretty cheap. So, I mean, I guess I might as well just jump into the trip. Yeah, I was going to say, is this Rammer Nintendo or Angel's Awesome Travel Tips? But anyway, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah tell, tell us about Japan because, yeah, it's yeah, fresh on your mind, right? I mean, I guess it's not going to be – there's a ton of – oh, actually, no, that's kind of uh, – who knows? I mean, I feel like I talked about my Japan trip from back in January. And, yes, uh, for those that missed that, I somehow managed to squeeze two trips to Japan in one year. Normally, a trip overseas is something you do – you know, once during that year, and then kind of chill out for a bit. But yeah, I guess I just really want to go back. And even that, you had no chill this year. So you did literally, <laughs> yeah. I between the two Japan trips, I also just decided to make this the year of concerts for Angel. I don't even remember how many concerts I went to in the last, I don't know, ten eight months. It almost felt like it was at least once a month between. I think we're we're in deep competition, Angel, because I I did one with Kevin, uh, five in the last six weeks, something like that. Uh, I think. 
I mean, if you did the five in the last six weeks, I mean, I'm pretty sure I did like six in the last, I mean, just this year. Um, so I'm pretty sure you've done more. Mm. But I mean, I've not not to brag. This isn't a competition. Everyone's enjoying their music equally. I mean, you're like the concert goer. You just yeah, but even for me, five and six weeks is a lot. Yeah. I think it's five and six. Yeah. Damn. But yeah. but yeah, point is, you know, I wanted to go really bad. Initially, it was going to be a solo trip, and eventually, it just turned into a trip with for just my brother and I, and occasionally running into people over there, like some close friends that I mean, just happened planned to... run-ins, right? It wasn't like you just like were on the streets of Tokyo and like, oh my god, you're here. That did kind of ended up happening anyway. Um, oh really? Yeah, like we were like, you know, we were planning on meeting up, but before we actually met up, we just bumped into each other. Because Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's like, oh, there you are. I guess we don't have to coordinate. Um, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, obviously what makes every trip special and different is just the people you go with because that really dictates what you do. Obviously, I still don't know what a solo trip would look like. I imagine it'd be way, 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 way more low-key in the less moving around but essentially because it was my brother and i we basically got to indulge on the things we really love most and that ended up being mainly nintendo capcom and surprisingly specifically the cloud luffy joy boy happy man gear 5 mode um i guess that yeah that ended up being like kind of like a I won't say defining part of the trip, but just looking for Joy Boy merch or surprisingly um, in our hotel, we managed to catch like a documentary that obviously we only understood like a word every once in a while um, about the making of those episodes and how much, you know, how many storyboards they use, like the voice actor, you know, at least what we could piece together just based on the fact that there were no subtitles. Um but yeah, it was, it was very interesting. But of course, the biggest thing we did that we couldn't have done really was, or at least I fully appreciate to this extent with any with anyone else was the Godzilla experience in Awaji Island, which for the longest time, like I knew there was a one-to-one scale Godzilla head somewhere in Japan. Uh, and it's one-to-one scale, you know, obviously if he were to be, if Shin Godzilla were to exist, that's how big he would be. But oh, it was designed after Shin Godzilla's yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, with the also, I, I feel like the sentence, like that sentence could have worked on two levels. Like, I knew somewhere in Japan there would be a life-size Godzilla head. I knew what you meant. Like, yeah, and not to be like, confused you knew with... there was one, but that sounds like, I bet you somewhere in the country <laughs> there is, and there was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, before I knew about the big one, um, I felt like, oh, there's got to be a big Godzilla statue somewhere, and the closest thing that we've all experienced I'm sure even you, Jason, was the Godzilla head in, in Shinjuku on top mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. Hotel Gracery, which is pretty big, but it's not as big as Godzilla would be. And, of course, like we finally managed to actually get up there this time around. It just took, uh, you know, finding to the, the right... The one in, in Tokyo? Or the one the in Shinjuku, road? yeah, in Tokyo. Yeah, we yeah, just, okay. just took a, a matter of looking for the right elevator because not all elevators go up there. And then just confidently walking past the the reception area of the hotel, just getting to so the it's, door. So it's like a hotel feature for like guests, like an amenity, like Basically, you get, you know, like you're supposed a to, spa and a Godzilla head. I don't think you have to have reservations at the hotel, but at the very least, they want you to at least be like 
patrons of the of the ca- well the cafe sure that's yeah. there because it's to access the Godzilla head you have to pass by the the cafe entrance or you can access it from the cafe as well and but it, it's pretty busy at the time so we were able to just go in without anyone thinking we didn't belong there and yeah got to see the Godzilla head there was a not to make it sound weird but there was a spot where you could see some exposed Godzilla scales and touch them and then he'll make a noise but you know it's 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 crazy but sure yeah sure yeah just imagine that in a cool way I'm not, I don't feel like elaborating but you there... touched his scales and it and he made a cool noise just want to make sure I, I got that correctly yeah yeah, yeah, you got that down. Okay, okay. But <laughs> the other, the the Godzilla head of interest, the other one, um, I did not expect it to be. I mean, well, it wasn't a called a waji, but I did not expect it to be like basically on the opposite side of Japan compared to where Tokyo is. Like it's past Osaka, past Kyoto, past Kobe. Like it's on some island, like. Basically, yeah, like another hour and a half west of all those places and a little south. And, yeah, it's this cool little island that has, like, a park. Like, eh, I don't know how big the park is exactly, but we'll call it, a, like, a national park. It's this big old park, and inside that park they have, like, a, a literal amusement park where it's mainly just, like, a park with a bunch of photo ops and obstacle courses in the woods. But... It's split into themes like Dragon Quest, Shin-Chan, Naruto, Demon Slayer, and Godzilla. And some other things like Tokyo Spectre. Or, no, Something Tokyo Hunter. Ghoul. Something Hunter. Not Tokyo Ghoul. But, uh, oh, no, not Tokyo Ghoul, unfortunately. I think we saw to- more Tokyo Ghoul ads, or at least like presence in Mob Psycho. We, I don't think we really saw any Mob Psycho presence outside of like some manga in a bookstore but yeah that Godzilla head damn they went all out like on top of you know the head just looking spectacular because you know it's a Shin Godzilla one as well so it's pretty gnarly looking you know with the jagged teeth the you know the torn flesh and the the googly eyes so yeah it's quite it's quite the sight to behold whether you're a Godzilla fan or not but they Kind of went above and beyond in the sense that, like, I thought it was just going to be like, oh, cool. You got the zipline ticket. Here you go. Go up the stairs. Zipline away. They're like, no, um, you're in the Godzilla Research Institute. Um, They play a movie for us where they basically gave that Godzilla head a whole backstory where it's really uh, an active Godzilla. And they have, like, you know, here's, like, the actual footage of the day they captured that Godzilla, and then you see Shin Godzilla swimming in the water, he comes out of the ocean, and, you know, they lure it to that spot in Awaji Island, and then they bomb it and drop some chemicals on its throat so that it becomes in the state that it is today. And the zip landing is, you know, supposed to be us inspecting them for signs of activity. And after you zip line, you go downstairs, and you get these guns, and then you fire at some I guess some Godzilla cells, some G cells that are becoming active. And after you do that, you go into the museum, see a lot of cool exhibits and giant props and miniatures. And then you get to do like a little quick recording of like 
you with Godzilla. There's like a Godzilla costume and they do a green screen so that you look like you're the same size. And yeah, that was really cool. And obviously, you know, the gift shop. And they gave us Godzilla backpacks in, that are modeled after the giant Godzilla head. So they look like Godzilla snakes. Very chubby Godzilla snakes. I guess like that, uh, I think it's a cryptid? I forgot what they're called. They're like short snakes with a very large torso. I know one came out in the OVA from Mob Psycho, where that was like the point of like they were like searching for it in the woods. But yeah, that was really fun. But then the other half, of course, was the Nintendo Store experiences. I had been to it earlier this year, so I knew what to expect. Nothing much was different outside of like the rotation of a couple pieces of merch. Like when I went, the Pikmin planters or, you know, little vases were not there at all. Then a friend of ours went later and he did notice they did have, well, I guess someone noticed, I think it was you, Jason, that pointed out that they were, that there were planters there at some point. And then a friend pointed out that they were sold out. And then when I went, um, well, they were barely there. They had like very, very few in stock because of course. To, to, to explain it for folks who haven't seen them. The basis. store in Japan has the best merch of any Nintendo store. Anyway, yeah, they have little vases. They're like ceramic, but they're Pikmin heads. There's a red one, a yellow one, and a blue one. And the a flower in the vase. Oh, they're full body? I thought they were yeah. just like uh, – he- are you sure they're full yeah. body? Yeah, they're, they're sitting down. I thought like they were head up. No, they're, they're – Oh, they're just, sitting. Yeah, they're sitting. Okay, well, yeah, full body. But either way, the, the vase is big enough to hold like a flower or a small plant. So you can really look like you have a live flower on a Pikmin. Yeah. So they're yeah, really great. cool. Yeah. Like that yeah, that that's pretty top tier merch. Unfortunately they sold out pretty quickly. Um we did But you to, got all three, right? Yeah, we did manage to get a set for ourselves because you kinda have to have the whole set. Um But you didn't have to get like one loose extra fourth one, did you? I wish we did. Yeah, that I would have taken that from you if so. But, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, it would have been for you, but yeah. Unfortunately, we were able to get Jason a, a Yoshi cookie and a Yoshi cookie Yoshi. cookies. Yeah, Yoshi cookie cookies, and they come in a Yoshi cookie cookie tray. Um, and tin tray. And and he FaceTimed me when when he was there, and he was showing me all the merch. And then I saw on a table in the corner of his video a booklet for Super Mario Wonder in Japanese, like a little like brochure. And I'm like, get me that. So that's all from Japan that I got, courtesy of Angel, was a Yoshi Cookie Cookie tin, which is really cool. The nice thing is And a I... random free pamphlet. On so. Japanese. I am glad I had the foresight yep. of grabbing two pamphlets because one of them definitely mm. busted a Mr. President for the other. And it's pretty damaged. But the other one. <laughs> oh, really okay. I see. Also, yeah. for what it's worth, that's the most for anyone listening that's expecting Mario Wonder impressions this episode. The most you're gonna hear of the name Super Mario Bros. Wonder is that pamphlet comic because uh, Angel and I still have to really dive into it independently. So next episode we'll have our impressions of Wonder. Oh yeah, I'm but sure it's a it's a joy to play. I'm I'm a little over one world in so far, I'm but sure I'm, I'm saving I will it. Till, be close to beating it yeah. by then. But yeah, yeah I mean, fun. but anyway, sorry. Yeah. Tangents. Back to what you're saying. Yeah, we went to the. You know, in Shibuya, there's a mall called Pleco, and at the very top floor, that's where the Nintendo store is. And immediately attached next to it is, well, not attached next to it, but, you know, like literally five feet away from it is the Pokemon Center of Shibuya. And then right next to that is the Capcom store. And Capcom, 
I, I always wish they had Eighth Attorney merch that I want, but they don't always, and this time they didn't. I regret not getting a hand mirror that they had last time because it had a really awesome like piece of art for the cover. But then I thought, like, oh, I don't really use the mirror often. So then I didn't get it. But then I regretted not getting it because, you know, it's small. And mirrors are surprisingly handy. There have been a couple random times where I'm like, a mirror would be handy right now. But because it doesn't happen that often, I didn't pull the trigger. But, you know, live and learn. Like the Sonic song. But what they did have was a umbrella pen. I know it doesn't sound very exciting, but... I like the fact that it looks like it's the pen that you would see at the Umbrella Corporation. It's very nice. It's white. I said umbrella on it. But surprisingly, the thing that I was most excited about from the Capcom store is uh, it's an empty refillable container that you could use to fill with um, hand disinfectant. But it's in the shape of the the first day spray from the game. Oh, that's is... pretty cool. That's clever. I like so, that. Yeah, so it's just a Unitarofa first aid recovery spray. And yeah, it's literally that from the game. So looking forward to using that. You know, when Japan does a great job of having like a lot of practical merch. I mean, yeah, they have merch in many different shapes and forms that are very much not practical. But for every piece of non-practical merch, they also have something that you could use in your day-to-day life that is very nerdy. And that's awesome. But... Yeah, and, you know, like, we also got, like, from the Nintendo store, like, this Pikmin, I guess it's, like, a Snuggie, but it's in the shape of a Bulborb, so it's as if a Bulborb is eating you, because, you know, Bulborbs eat Pikmin. In case you don't know what those are, they are these, like, round things. They look like snail. They have snail eyes, you know, eyes that stick out of their head, but they're red and white polka-dotted, giant mouths. They're basically all mouths. They're, like, a weird Pac-Man, but... Yeah, they have a blanket. Yeah, like a blanket of that that's double-sided and it defeats you. But, yeah, besides Which again, that one. very clever, very clever. like the spray. Yeah. But I think probably one of my favorite pieces of merch from the Nintendo store was this Boo Mirror that I yeah, that I ended up getting just because I just loved its concept so much. Like, I may end up keeping it or I may end up just using it as a gift, but I just wanted to have it just because I just thought it was really clever. But the mirror is basically in the shape of the boo when you're looking at it. So it's clear, but you just see like the eyes and like the shy part of its mouth. And you know, the outline of the of the hand. So as a mirror, like, yeah, it's a little annoying that you have like some vague shapes in the center of it, which is just the boo being shy. But it just makes a lot of sense because, you know, when you're looking at the boo, you don't really see the shape of the boo. You just see the outline of the boo when Mario sees them, you know, they're just kind of transparent. But then when you look away, they're fully opaque. So I just thought that was really cool that they basically captured that, like you're seeing right through it or seeing in the mirror. But yeah, somehow we ended up going to, I want to say every single Pokemon store in Tokyo because goddamn, we went to so many. And we also went to, you know, because we went that far to the Godzilla zipline, we had to pass Osaka and Kyoto. So on the way back, we, with Osaka being the first stop, we went to the Nintendo store there, see if, if they had any different merch. It was mostly the same. I think we picked up maybe one or two other things. And then they also had their own Capcom store, which I think we picked up something else, and their own Pokemon Center. 
every Pokemon Center had like a different little Pokemon plush that we bought. Because we buy the we buy the line called I think they're Sitting Cuties or also known as Pokemon Fit, where it's just like a small plush of a Pokemon, but they're in a sitting position. And right now they have up to the fifth generation, but they're literally going through every single generation and making one for every single Pokemon. You could get these online, but they are a little cheaper, especially right now in Japan because of how weak the yen is compared <laughs> to the dollar. But have they done? Have they done Bidoof yet? Do I need to be buying this? They, that's it. They're up to the fifth gen, so they've already done Bidoof. I already got my chat time. Do I have I, it? I wonder if I, I have it and don't realize it's part of that line. Maybe. Do you have any maybe. Bidoof plushies outside of the uh, Yeah, a little one. A little sitting up one. It's a sitting up one, so maybe not. That, I mean, if it's sitting up, it may be that oh, one. Oh, look. I'll, I'll, it's Pokemon Fit. Is that what you said it was called? Pokemon Fit or Sitting Cuties. It depends on... Right, when they were made cuties. but send a picture of it oh i have it <laughs> i have it not knowing i had that that's what it was yeah i have oh, it oh nice so you have that that's the... how much of a badoof collector i am i buy badoof things not even knowing what they are uh, but yeah yeah and i mean like i wasn't expecting to find a bunch that we didn't have because i got all the ones i needed on the trip in january but somehow they rotated a couple and i was able to get a torkoal which i really wanted the Blastoise to complete the Turtles, and we got the Ditto and our Regigigas and some other stuff. But long story short, after Osaka, we went to Kyoto because it just, by sheer coincidence, um, the day that we went to the Godzilla thing was also the day that Nintendo opened up their store in Kyoto to the public. I think they had like two prior like opening special events, like in earlier October, like I think October 10 and 13 or something like that. But this is like the grand opening to everyone else. And unfortunately, it was ticketed. But we didn't know that until we got there. But we still got to see the giant Mario head up close. And we got a glimpse of the store from the floor below as the escalator was going down. And what merch we did see was the same in the other places. But, of course, the biggest thing we could expect is just, um, you know, shirts or something that says like Nintendo Kyoto or something like that. Which is a better shirt for Nintendo because Kyoto is their home base. Yeah, so which is probably why from. they take up yeah. the entire floor of that mm. mall as opposed to, you know, just like a section. Because, yeah, there were signs all over, official looking signs that don't look like the kind of signs you remove. But it was, they're basically saying like seventh floor, Nintendo Kyoto store. And it was saying like the seventh floor cannot be accessed by this elevator. And then you go to another area, the seventh floor cannot be accessed by this elevator. elevator. You pretty much have to go through an escalator, and there's, like, security right there, and you need to show them, like, a ticket. And even in front of, like, the Mario head, like, we took some pictures, and it looks like there's, like, security that's, like, you know, also rated a Mr. President for that head right there. And and, and context for the Mario head, for those who haven't seen photos of the Kyoto store, which, based on what I've seen online, look awesome. Um, There's a warp pipe, like, huge warp pipe with, like, Mario peeking out of it. Like, there's this massive head that's, like, his nose and up are visible, I yeah, think, you know, right? Yeah, like Attack on Titan status, and yeah, basically, yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. But needless to say, even though we didn't get to see that one, there were a couple, like, return trips to the Nintendo store when we, because, you know, we were in Shibuya a couple times for various reasons. And every time we were like, hey, should we just check it out? Sure, why not? And we, you know, always ended up buying something else. But now that I'm back here, I am kind of like, I don't want to set foot in a Nintendo store for a while or 
look at Nintendo merch or buy anything Nintendo related or Pokemon for that matter. Just toys. I'm definitely shopping out. Um, which is fine. You know, it was budgeted for, but damn, it, it was fun. But on top of the fact, you know, the different food we got to, you know, we got to go back to Ichiran, which I guess has become a tourist spot because, like, on average, the line was like always like an hour long. Oh yeah, like the Ichiran lines were like absolutely. out the door. Ichiran's like, absolutely yeah. become that type of place where, like, on TikToks you'll see, oh, the these are the the five places that you have to go when you go to Japan. Ichiran is always going to be on that list. Damn. That's a shame. I think when we went, it definitely was nowhere near time. I mean, I feel like we were just able to walk in every single time. Um, but yeah, like we were lucky enough to be able to almost walk in one time just because one Ichiran was super, the line was super, super long, went like around the corner. But then we thought there was another Ichiran like less than two blocks away. So we went to that one. And that one had a little more of a hidden entrance. You have to like go down an alley, and it was like on the side. So we guess most people didn't see that. But by the time we left that Ichiran after we had eaten, the line was also super long. So people must have just you know googled and been like, "Oh, there's another one. Why are we waiting here?" But yeah, and upside of that, you know, had some amazing curry, had some amazing, um, I guess, other different types of ramen. The funny thing is that uh, we also got to hang out with one of my friends at. Is local to Japan. Um, she's been living there for like 10 years now. And I think because she's been living there for 10 years, she can now actually apply for like a residency card. So they don't have to like depend on a visa now. They can just trip, just full on live there and not have to worry about having a job. I mean, of course they're going to have a job, but it not being the reason that you get to stay in Japan must be nice. But the point is... Kyoto, right? Um, they were in Osaka. They're the ones that I met with the time that Gilbert and Eric went to Kyoto. Right, right. And I stayed in Osaka, and they just kept going. But, but yeah, I mean, they seem, they're pretty happy. But the point is, the reason I brought them up was because I told them about Ichiran, and they were like, what's Ichiran? Um, they were basically like, yeah, like, most people in Japan, like, they'll just go to any, like, ramen place that they're all, like, really good, that they don't really consider... There isn't really, like, one that's, like, like, oh, this is, like, the best, best one of all of them. They're just, like, yeah, it's, you're, you're, most, you're good to find in almost any. So I thought that was interesting that they were, that I guess that you want got that much of, like, a, got that much clout. I'm sure part of it is because, you know, it is good and it's very consistent. I think that's the thing, that there are just so many. I don't think there is another ramen chain like that one. I could obviously be wrong. Probably am wrong. But that one is very prominent. And the fact that we've been to many Ichirans in many different places and it's always been equally good. I think that's what we call it, like the McDonald's. Like, you know, McDonald's is consistent for the most part. Um, yeah, that probably definitely helps its reputation. Cause, you know. Plus, when the ball starts rolling, like the viralness, the TikTokness of it all, like once that ball starts rolling, the momentum, the inertia of it just becomes too yeah. much. So, even if there are better ones, like once Ichiran's the one, it's hard to usurp that, you know? Yeah. But, you know, and then we also spent a lot of money on Gachapon. I, for a while, wasn't sure if it's Gachapon or Gachapon, and then I learned that Gachapon is the trademark version that Bandai made so when it's a bad machine it's a gashapon when it's everything else it's gachapon 
just replace the SSSC. Doesn't make a difference. Hmm. But there are, as always, it's always fun just to look at what they have. Because if you're unfamiliar, like Gachapon is, or Gachapon, or Gacha, as many people just call them. It's just, you know, a machine. You put some coins in, you spin the dial, and then a ball comes out. And you get to see what you could potentially get out of, like, you know, 5 to 10, whatever. And, you know, they could be as normal as, like, you know, a keychain of a bird. Or they can get as weird as different species of birds praying in praying position. Or it can get even more weird as, like, earrings that are the tags you put on cows in a farm that you're going to, you know, basically mark for slaughter so yeah like they have one of those for earrings or you know or just like different barf bags from different airlines or you know full-on ping pong sets coffee sets like no miniature furniture you know it it's pretty much the bags of doritos with little like seeds inside so you can like shake it yeah they they they're all over the place but they're fun and really good quality Almost like, like almost all the time. The only thing that makes them dangerous is that because they use coins, the coins are, you know, 100 yen coins typically, and they usually run from like 300 to 500 yen. So I usually use three to five of those coins. And once upon a time, I guess when Kevin and I went to Japan, they were the yen to dollar ratio was like almost like one dollar to 100 yen. So it was like an easy conversion in your head. It's like, oh, like, you know, 100 yen is one buck, just 100 pennies. But now 100 yen is like, you know, like less than 50 cents. Whoa. So Really? Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty good for us. Like, to give an idea, yeah. like, you know, like, again, like 50,000 yen would have been like 500 bucks. Yeah, you know, just to get rid of two zeros. Yeah. But when yeah, I yeah, you just get rid of the zeros. But when I went to the ATM to take out cash, like I took out fifty thousand yen worth, and that was only like two hundred and eighty bucks. Whoa! And I was like, "Wow, damn, wow!" Yeah. Also, what a missed opportunity, Angel, to use your own trademark thing, and instead of saying yen to dollar ratio, you could have said the yen to buck ratio, and like, riff on your own yum to buck. And it was funny, I think This is how I know you're jet lagged. This is how yeah, I know you're jet lagged. It's funny because I, I did make that joke in while in Japan, but yeah, didn't remember here. But yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, Japan is great. Um the bidets, it's you you really you obviously appreciate them when you're over there, but then you really, really appreciate them every time you come back for the first time and you use the restroom for the yeah, you use the restroom for the first time after Japan. And it's just not the same. You just don't feel as clean. But have you ever thought about installing a bidet in your house? All the time. But I think Oba said he was going to take care of it all the time. And... That, that, that's where you—that's where you made a mistake. <laughs> that, that he was thinking that he was going to do it. I trust him. Um, I may you have to. Know when, when did he bring? When's the last time that he brought that up? Um, the last time we went to Japan. Yeah, thought so. No. Oh no 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 no! When when we moved into this house, so it's been a year. A year. We've been busy. You guys were doing renovations in the house. The bidet could have been an easy thing at that point. That's true. It could have actually been a full on bidet, not just like a attachment. Eh, it's yeah. still possible, but yeah, 
we'll, we'll get there. I mean, I'll, I'll know Japan at some point. Now, if you if you were to install a bidet, would you go all in like Japan and have the ones that have like the heated the the heated seats and like they play music? Oh yeah, and all that, or would you heated, just okay. Oh yeah, you, you gotta have go, the buttons. You gotta go. You gotta go jingle. You, you gotta go, you gotta go Toto. full jingle. It's Toto Toto or yeah, bust. Toto or bust. Yeah. Yeah. We said that in unison. <laughs> Toto yeah, or bust. But, but just to like kind of bounce out a little like for all the amazing things there is about Japan, like there are a couple things that like I typically forget about or I guess it's not really mentioned enough that I guess I forget is there. But essentially like for as great as it is and for how clean it is overall, because um, they do go out of the way to keep like, you know, facilities clean or restaurants clean, you know, you always get your towel, there's like disinfectant everywhere. Like, there are certain parts of Tokyo, like, especially Shinjuku or Akihabara or, you know, some of those, like, districts that do have a lot of things to look at, where, yeah, like, I guess, like, even though they don't have a lot of trash cans everywhere, like, you could basically only find trash cans in convenience stores, because it's basically typical to not walk and eat at the same time as it is here. You're typically just going to eat your food either at home or at the convenience store and throw your stuff away there. We just keep screens clean over clean overall, but they do leave their trash like that's gonna go out for pickup, like on just on the side of the building of some buildings. And depending on how the alleyways are set up, they sometimes may be on the side that you're walking, and sometimes that does kind of bring out a smell. And there have been a couple. Oh times where man, like, you're gonna. You're gonna hate New York. Oh, no, I've, I've, I've seen the York. video. I don't even have to like. I mean, there's something that like you easily like overlook about Japan just because you're kind of distracted by everything else. But yeah, like there was like a time where we saw like a rat run across like across from us like ahead, you know, a couple like feet away from us. Like we just see it run across the sidewalk and we're like, huh, like, that was interesting. And then like a couple nights later, I was like, huh, was this the street where a rat ran across from us? And then as soon as I say that, another rat runs across from us. Mm-hmm. And oh man, New York is gonna be a trip if you ever make it out there. It's, dude, the rats. rats are I mean, bad if the videos are anything to show, like the rats are freaking huge over there. I mean, compared to the ones we saw mm-hmm. here, in they Japan. can be. They can be. Yeah, and I saw one pulling up like a huge pizza, and you know the whole joke. Of, oh, well, sure. that okay, that that's an oddity. There's a reason that one went viral. All the rats don't care. Well, yeah, about slices of pizza. New York, believe it or pizza not, and turtles. Yeah, they don't all. They don't all do that. Just that rat, pizza rat, did that. Most rats just scurry pizza free. But yeah, so, you know, I'm just also, saying, don't go to New York and expect every corner to have rats feasting on pizzas because that's it's not that. And the other, you know, other like minor piece of advice I could give is, uh, I guess, is watch out for sewer lid covers, like, or basically just <laughs> don't stand directly on top of them because, um, yeah, that smell will get to you very quickly. So nothing like stepping two feet to the side will fix, but. Yeah, just so you're aware. If you're just like suddenly walking and then you're like hit by like a giant whiff of just like sewage. But other than that, just so it doesn't sound like I'm just like gushing about it the whole time. But yeah, it was amazing. Can't wait to go back. I think the next time I go back, I'll probably try to take the rest of the family, which means it'll probably be like next October. So I do hope I can go next year. But realistically, it might be... You know, maybe later that year or early 2020, whatever years after the next one. Five? Five. Five. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's Japan. And, you know, the flights aren't too I... bad. 14 hours over there. 
I think slept most of the plane ride over there, but on the way back, um, I guess if you allow me one final extension, my brother and I basically played like five hours straight of Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge of that for transition. Just real quick me. before you get there, I was gonna say because he made a comment. I've been waiting patiently for the gaps. I'm guessing I'm wedging it. I'm wedging. Well, you know what's cool about Japan? If you're like a Nintendo nerd, we're getting to the point. You pointed out because you caught them all by going to all the Pokemon stores and you went to the three Nintendo stores and you went to the restaurant. You can do Nintendo tourism now. Or by like 2025, it's going to be like a thing. Stores in three cities, Pokemon centers everywhere, Kirby cafes, Super Nintendo World Japan, the factory, uh, Nintendo's original factory in Kyoto is now a hotel you can stay at. They're opening the Nintendo Museum. You can do... You can go to Japan and have multiple Nintendo themed things. See exactly. Like if you're a Nintendo, they're like it could be a pilgrimage. And like a giant Yeah, in Kyoto. They just opened that. Yeah. Literally like three weeks. And Narita, the one that I sent you pictures of. Oh. Oh. Yeah. No, okay. There's also a Nintendo train station in Kyoto. They did all the tile work in the station to be classic Mario sprites. Like, you can do, like, full-on. Like, it used to be, oh, you go to Japan, and you go to, like, Akihabara, and you go to the arcades, and you get, like, a video game experience. You can now have a tailor-made Nintendo tourism trip. And you you did, like, half of the half of it already on this trip, it sounds like. But, like, it's really cool that it's gotten to that point. Yeah. Anyway, you were going to say about Shredder's Revenge. Oh, yeah, because the, the flight back was nine hours, and I guess the cool thing about the Nintendo store is that everything you purchase, if you scan your your Nintendo QR code from your Nintendo Online account, um, that gets converted to golden coins. So, you know, basically real money that you can use digitally. And thanks to all those purchases, I was able to get the DLC for free. Because I think it was only like seven nice. bucks. And Why doesn't Nintendo New York do that? They don't? <laughs> I don't think so. They didn't the last time I was there. Huh. Which was last year. But, yeah, like, all we knew, at least I remembered about the DLC is just that it existed, and I remember seeing the trailer briefly, but I never really looked into what it was beyond the fact that it existed. So, there was initial confusion when we couldn't find it in the game. Like, we knew it downloaded, and then we hit start game, and we're like, huh, we went to the last level, like, there's nothing after, we were looking for some kind of, like, dimensional portal we found a dimensional portal it was just a warp to a different section of the of the game and it was like oh okay this is a shortcut and then we're like well i know i downloaded it and then i just went to the next option which was survival and i guess that was it i didn't realize it was just a survival mode but we were like i could have sworn like there were cutscenes or something so you know we started and sure enough there's like a cutscene and it basically just sets up the premise of why the survival mode is the way it is, and I don't want to call it a roguelike because it it kind of is and it isn't. Because I feel like roguelikes, you you know, you start a, you start every run typically in at your like base level stats. And I mean, you know, this is just overgeneralization. I know some work different. I don't. I want to say some kind of at least like progression in um, what's that one everyone loves? Hades, where you probably like level up um, young Hades or kid Hades to be like at least a little stronger so that you really start the run in better shape than you did maybe the first time you played versus your 100th run. Or maybe you just unlock the potential to get better equipment during your runs. But this one, I guess it's 
not really like that entirely. Like essentially, you play through the survival mode. Every couple rounds, you every screen, I guess, is just one wave of fights or multiple waves of fights. You complete the fights, and then you get then the portals appear, and you pick which one you want to go to. And depending on which one you pick, determines the difficulty of the next fight because it's kind of dependent on the type of reward. So the first area, and these are randomized, so they're not always the same, but typically the first area is Edo, which is just Japan. And you'll see characters from the Usagi universe, which is the samurai rabbit that got introduced in this DLC, which is an old standby of turtles and, well, and the its own series that was created by Stan Sakai, which just happened to come out around the same time, I think the same year as the Turtles, and the creators got along really well, so they crossed them over a couple times, that they, he almost feels like an official Ninja Turtle character, even though he isn't. But, yeah, you fight through the Japan area, a portal comes up, and you have to collect a certain number of crystals, crystal shards, to proceed to the next area. So the Japan area, let's say you need 50 crystals, you complete the encounter, two portals open up. Do you want to take the portal with, that gives you 10 crystals or the one that gives you 30? And obviously the one that gives you 30, you might fight a random combination of bosses from the game that you normally wouldn't fight together or a bunch of different types of enemies that you normally wouldn't fight together. But the layout is always different or randomized. And the fights are always randomized. And you occasionally get power-ups that are not permanent, they only last a couple rounds. Like you might have, every time you deal damage, you will get some health back, but you lose health over time. Or every time you taunt, you are invincible, but then you immediately teleport to a random spot on the screen. You know, stuff like that. And eventually when you get enough crystals to go to the next area, or enough crystal shards, they form one true crystal, and then you go to the next area, and the next area is sometimes you know, something like an 8-bit themed world where it's all stylized after the NES and Ninja Turtle games or the Mirage comics, like the old black and white comics and their literal, like, comic panels that you're fighting over. And they got really creative. It was really cool. Um, but every time you collect those crystals or you form full crystals and let's say you die during your run, like, you know, you didn't make it all the way to the end because there are six worlds to play through. And once you complete all six, you can either choose just to end it there, or you could just keep going, and it obviously gets harder and harder. And but once you complete all six areas, you get to the final area, which is just one final boss battle against like a new version of Super Shredder. And I guess the really cool way that they mix it up is that some of these power-ups actually let you turn into bosses from the game. Like specific bosses, but you could turn into the Rhinoceros Rocksteady or the Pig Bebop or even Shredder. And Rocksteady the Rhinoceros, he is pretty... He's really fun, but maybe makes the game kind of easy because he could just spread grenades across the field and just fire his gun from like one corner of the screen to the other. And that basically interrupts almost everything and... Depending on the levels and depending on the boss, you can just steamroll some of them. And we just happened to have Rocksteady when we got to the final boss, and we were able to basically interrupt most of his moves and just beat him that way. Which, you know, rolled credits because, you know, the reason you're jumping from comic book world to NES world to 
Japan land because Shred has been messing with, you know, dimensional shenanigans and it's up to you to stop him. But then after you beat him, you know, then it just becomes just an endless survival mode. Like how long can, how many rounds can you go? But I guess what keeps it, or what keeps it, I guess fresh for a while, is that every time you complete those crystals, they basically count as currency. So if you're playing as Leonardo for a while and you collect three crystals, you unlock a bigger health bar. Then you, if you get three more crystals, then maybe you unlock an extra life. So, you know, if you die, you could last longer, you have, you could take more hits, you could deal more damage, or you can like unlock different special moves. So, you know, there's at least a sense of progression where even if you're starting from the very beginning, you're definitely starting, you know, with a much more character and every single character can be leveled up in their own way. And there are different color palettes to unlock. Like you can unlock a black and white version of the turtles for their costume or a Game Boy sprite that makes them look like that shade of green, like exactly if they were pulled from the Game Boy. And, you know, obviously you have the two new characters, the rabbit Usagi and Korai the ninja. And they both have their own, like, unique play styles. Like, Usagi seems to be really good in the air. He's just jumping people. Karai has some interesting mechanics that I couldn't quite figure out fully, but she ultimately just gets faster and faster and faster the more damage you deal, and as long as you keep your combo going. But it was really fun, and it really killed a good amount of that plane ride. So definitely props to that for making a fun beat-em-up that my brother and I generally love. But I would say that's mainly attributed to the fact that there's, like, defense mechanics. The fact you can dodge roll or something. But, you know, it can't really be abused either. You definitely have to, you know, anticipate what they're going to do and just not get greedy. But, yeah, incredibly fun. Would definitely recommend for the seven bucks. It's definitely worth it. Even though we didn't pay it technically. But I guess we did pay it in Nintendo merch. But, yeah. TMNT, Shrew's Revenge, uh... Dimensional shenanigans, kerfuffle, fun times. Actual name. That's yeah. that. If you look on the if you look on the eShop, it's under dimensional kerfuffle shenanigan fun times. Yep. I can't believe they stole kerfuffle yeah. before Smash did. Right? <laughs> right? Seriously. But, <laughs> what yeah. what would the next Smash even be called? It would have to be something like Kerfuffle. Oh, I guess before I forget, because I definitely did forget. Um I did mm find finally a rhythm heaven machine in japan but unfortunately it wasn't in a rhythm heaven state you could tell they taped over the banner that says rhythm heaven because you could still see it from the back um just like some other game and they running they gutted it to turn it into some other arcade machine for i i don't know what it was it was off or something but i took a picture of it but it was basically the skeleton of a rhythm heaven machine being for something else which, you know... The husk of what was was a great thing. Yeah. And I guess ever since I got into collecting CDs, I did want to point out there's a store called Koto... Koto Kubia? Koto Kubia? I think it's Koto Kubia. Um, they usually have booths at Anime Expo and Comic-Con. But... And have, like, some statues of Yu-Gi-Oh! monsters and stuff. But they happen to have a couple Nintendo soundtracks. That was really cool. So I was able to get the Metroid Prime Metroid Fusion soundtrack there for a very good price. Oh, the wow. Wake, the Wind Waker soundtrack. They pretty much had every Zelda soundtrack there. It's almost nice. like Nintendo was still like printing them because they have so many copies of each in like new condition. And, nice. and also like the Street Fighter Six soundtrack. And also got myself like a 
a soundtrack of one of the bands I like that do a bunch of Naruto intros, and it was like them covering a bunch of and the most I popular guess... Naruto intros. Oh, I was gonna guess but... uh, which band. Oh, oh, you can guess that. I didn't say it. Is it? Hold on, say that again. So it's a band who's done a bunch of Naruto intros, or they cover a bunch of Naruto intros. They've done a. They've done a few. I think they've done two actually, but they. But that CD is them. You know, it's their songs as well, as well as like twelve others that they didn't do. Like, there's what one song called do? "Bluebird" that I know is like a female-only song, like a female artist that sings it. Yeah, but they duet it. In the oh, album. gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, so it's cool just hearing like, like, oh, this is how they would sing it. But I would say they have my favorite intro, or they sang my favorite intro, which was like the main reason why I got it. As well as because. I'm going to guess like Asian Kung Fu gener- Generation. Ooh, that'd be... I guess that'd be my second... That'd be my second favorite intro, for sure. And I guess... So then, the Flow? Yeah, Flow. I'm going to guess Go by Flow is the one that... The Fighting Dreamers song. Nah, it's, it's Sign. No? Sign. The... Th- I forgot which one, but that one's a ship in an intro, right? Yeah, ship in an intro. Yeah. It's... The one where, where Jiraiya t- is fighting for his life? Yeah, and it's uh, Sasuke versus Tachi. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Yep, yep, Yeah, that one. Love that one. And also Fan Dreams. Is that, that is a good intro. I love that. Yeah, Naruto, I forget, has a lot of really good intros. It almost made me want to go back and watch it, but then mm. <sighs> it's, it's tiring. Like, I want to finish it. I how wanna, many I'm, how many episodes is Naruto with all saying? I mean, it, it's nothing compared to it One has Piece. A, it has a ton of filler. Is the problem the thing. with Naruto? The, the nice thing is that it's technically done. Like you know, if you want it to be done, it's done. Like Naruto, like oh, like damn, I guess it's five hundred episodes. Exactly five hundred episodes. That might just I be think that's just shipping. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I think. Naruto, Naruto has like it's like three hundred something. something. Yeah, three hundred. Yeah. Oh my god! So that's like eight hundred episodes. Which uh, I think I saw maybe I think I got to like episode like one hundred something of Shippuden. Basically, to that sign. No, where Naruto fights pain. That's where I got before I stopped watching it. But yeah, you know, now that it's done, I'm, I'm sure works. I'm sure someone has like a spark note of like just watch these episodes and you're good. Like you know, skip the filler. Oh yeah, I what, did re- what people do is is they essentially adapt each volume of the manga into one episode, which mm-hmm. seems really really smart. Yeah, and it works, but yeah, we'll see. I I've definitely read the Sparkle, so I know what happens. So it does kind of still make me want to watch it, but I don't know if I'm gonna bother with Naruto the the parent years. Although some of the stuff I've heard sounds interesting, but I I started um, yeah I started reading the Barton. shows. Oh really? Damn. Yeah, they just did a time skip, true. and uh, that show gets really dark. Yeah, that's what I hear, which makes me want to watch it more. But or at least maybe I should just read it. Maybe that's the thing. I need to not watch it and just read it. Yeah, I would read it. Uh, yeah, I, I I need to just do it because then I feel like I. Get me down that rabbit hole, and I would just end up reading my hero. So I don't have to <laughs> wait for it, and you know, Chainsaw Man and Attack on Titan. But I do kind of want to wait for Attack on Titan at this point. But 
Yeah, I guess that's all I got with TMNT, Shirt of the Revenge, and I guess that's uh, it for the podcast. Uh, Jason? Uh, no, 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 no. In fact, I'm going to rewind the clock back to when you were talking about TMNT because it's a great segue to hear about you, Kevin, what you've been up to because Angel is playing in a virtual New York. And Kevin, so were you, right, Spider-Man? Wow. I don't know I said in that voice. Oh, we, we. <laughs> yeah. I've no, been, not uh, Mario. Not Mario. No wowie zowie. I've been playing uh, Spider-Man 2 on the uh, Sony PlayStation 5. Uh, is it I'm glad you specified it was Sony. Uh, well, actually, they do that weird thing where they do Sony PlayStation copyright symbol in the middle of the word, like in the middle, 5. Like PlayStation copyright 5. Never understood why they style it like that. Huh. Anywho. Uh yeah, I've been playing uh, Spider Man too. It released uh I think last week or last Friday, something like that. Same day as Mario Wonder. Oh yep, yep. man, on too the, many great games are out and not so enough a great time year for games. to play them. Can you imagine the game of the year category at the Game Awards this year? It's gonna be nuts. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you even yeah. You know, yeah, this could I, be the first I, I wouldn't ever. have the chance. Just, just, be, like, this could be like, do you say Garfield? Like Garfield? <laughs> Star, do you think Starfield or oh, Armored Starfield Core have a chance? Uh, I don't know what's going to get cut. I feel like Armored Core is going to miss, not get in there. I mean, you got Zelda, you got, uh, yep, you got Zelda. You got Zelda, you got Mario, you got Spider-Man, you got, um, you've got, wow, I'm just drawing a blank. Uh, Baldur's Gate, you've got, Maybe Star, probably Starfield. You've got maybe Diablo. Like, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much. Yeah, I've... Pikmin Four. Pikmin Four. I would we'll love to see in the there. It, it, it'll get. Uh, it, yeah, it will be in the Nintendo category of best family game, competing against exclusively other Nintendo games, and then one third party game, which is probably gonna be Sonic or something. Anyways, Spider Man Two. Yes, Spider Man. Spider Man Two. Um. I remember talking about this game back on either, I think we were still Quarantine Chronicles or Random Nintendo. Yeah, thereabouts, yeah. I don't remember which one, but uh, I really love that first game uh, so much that when they remastered it for the PS5, uh, I like replayed it just to see the upgraded graphics and the, the better performance at 60 frames. And I just ended up replaying the entire game and platinum and getting the platinum in it. Yeah. So like, I, I love that wow. game tremendously. Um. So then the Miles Morales, not spin-off, but it was like a half game, kind of. Uh, that came out, and I really, really enjoyed that as well. Um, and so now here's the yeah, full cost sequel. Like, it's like a short film equivalent, but for video uh, games. They're like .5 editions, like half sequels. Uh, like standalone expansion? I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm, <laughs> Yeah, I, guess, I don't know. Like a short adventure? Because it was like Because they're not really expansions... Yeah, it's not like a they're not exam- it, it's almost like it's like the equivalent of like there being a novel and then there being a novella. There is like a, a there is novel. an official term for it. Hold on, <laughs> light game. Spider Man. A a a. Uh, yeah, what would it be? Expansion doesn't sound right because like and it's that not necessarily a spinoff either, which is no, it's not. It's like a half sequel. But it's definitely a sequel because it takes place. After, just doesn't really follow 
Peter Parker exactly, but he still. But so no, no, no. But I mean, like, like a ton of games do this now. Like Uncharted did the same thing at one point, where they do like that, like half sequel. I don't know what to call it. Though. Like Lost Legacy or whatever it was like a half yeah. sequel. Like I, I don't know what we're term for it. Yeah. What I I, the, I I don't know what we call it, but hmm. but regardless. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, Miles Morales. I really enjoyed that. I guess like expansion. It was definitely smaller in scale, but obviously it it kind of had to be because it was Miles' story that only took place in uh, one side of uh, New York. Um, and this is now the full-fledged sequel. In this, I think it takes place maybe about a year or maybe about a year and a half after that uh, Miles Morales expansion. Uh, and just FYI, I've only played the game for maybe about five hours at this point. Um, so that's really all I got when it comes to these uh, impressions. But uh, And I hate to say this. I absolutely hate to say this, but getting into the game immediately, I it, you get back into the swing of things, man. Everything feels exactly the same. Uh, I would give you a standing ovation, but I don't want to blow out the mic with my clapping. I don't. So I, yeah, I, I'm I doing, I'm doing the little hand. To ju- you know, the like silent clap, like where you shake your hands. You know what I'm talking about? Like the sign language clapping. I'm doing that for you right now. I mean, yeah, you know I don't know Jason how is going to use it. like, oh, this game is a wonder from a wonder or it's no wonder. Actually, I'm not. You know what? It's too obvious. It's too obvious. Maybe there's one that's so obvious that would maybe make it not obvious. I mean, you could say it's wonderful, but that's better than it's a wonder, because at least it's in another word. Regardless. (laughs) I wonder which pun I wind up using. Anyway. Uh, Regardless, yeah. um, This is more Spider-Man, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, The game starts off with this awesome... um, like intro sequence where spoiler alert, but I mean it's the first fifteen minutes of the game where uh, you're fighting Sandman as he goes through a rampage through New York, and you know it gets you puts you back into uh, the lives of Peter Parker and Miles Morales. In this game, you're playing as both of them. You're not just playing as one. Uh, very missed opportunity for co-op, but I'm not going to uh, be angry at the devs. It's their vision, um, but it would have been really cool as a co-op game. I'll just put that out there. I think everybody else believes that's so. Uh, to the point where they should call this game uh, Spider-Man. Why? Because... That's a missed opportunity. Because there was a comic book uh, storyline called Spider-Man where uh, 616 Peter goes to Ultimate, uh, goes to the Ultimate Universe and actually interacts with, um, with uh, Ultimate Miles Morales, who's from the Ultimate Universe. Some people don't know that. Um. Anyways, where was I going with this? Oh, so uh, I lost my train of thought. It's you. I, you. 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 So all I remember. All that's here to my mind. Should have had co-op. All, oh, all yeah, I remember yeah. is you were getting so, back in the swing of things. Yeah, getting back in the swing of things at Spider-Man. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that beginning intro is like really really fun. Uh, it obviously it teaches you how to swing. It teaches you uh the combat, and the combat feels just as good as it did before. Um. Where this game starts to open up a little bit, which I really, really love, is its traversal. Um, uh, in this game, they introduce web wings, which essentially is like the glider from, um, uh, what's it called? What's that one game called? The other superhero game. Arkham. What? Arkham. Batman. There we go. Oh, Arkham. I was like, what are you talking Yeah, Batman. Uh, the way that they allowed you to well i guess you could um 
I guess you could glide in that game in the first Arkham, but it wasn't really until you got to Arkham City where you were really gliding as Batman. Uh, here, yeah, you're, you're essentially gliding in, in the... Cases. I'm sorry? Uh, you're practically flying in most cases, and that zip line just basically takes you back up to any building that was near you. Yeah. Um, cool. So in this, yeah, as I as stated, um, you are gliding everywhere. And it's really, really fun. They pretty much off the bat introduced some new mechanics for both characters. Uh, Peter now has those mechanical arms that you... Like, if you aren't in tune with the comic book universe, uh, you saw in... Which movie was it? I think it was Endgame, where Peter activates Instant Kill and he has those like, like arms that come out of him. I think he also used it in Infinity War. Yeah, I think it's... I think. I remember it being an Infinity War. Yeah, thing. like they they come out. Yeah, he does that. He gets yeah. like thrown or something, yeah. and the arms come out. And he has like the spider leg looking things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so he has that at his disposal now, and you could do this uh this like fury of uh of melee attacks with him. Uh, with Miles, you have this electrical, like this essentially this chain of electricity that you can use against enemies, and then they introduce gadgets. Uh, which in the first game you had gadgets and it's really smart here before it used to be on this sort of weapon wheel, which I'm starting to forget who made, oh, Ratchet and Clank was made by the same developers, Insomniac, where you have the weapon wheel, you had the weapon wheel essentially, or your gadget wheel in the first game here, it's, uh, just tied to the face button. So, uh, square, triangle, circle, X, I'll never call it cross, um, (laughs) <laughs> and then you have your spider abilities on a different, essentially, weapon wheel that's just the D-pad. Uh, I've just got into the open world to the point where you can essentially switch between Peter and Miles whenever you want. And the have you guys seen the loading times on this game? You mean the non-existent loading exactly. times on this game? It's 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 magic. It's insane. You. It's crazy. I've seen footage of the fly, like the zoom in, and then you just like start gliding. It's just like how, like yeah. Yeah, essentially, you, you go you go into the map. You say like you go to the point on the map on where you want to fast travel. You hold the butt. You hold like square for a second, and you're immediately there across across New York. Essentially, um, speaking of New York, they added. Uh, essentially, like a whole new area. They added Queens and oh, uh, I forgot what else. Uh, Bro- Brooklyn, I think it's yeah, Queens and Brooklyn. I'm pretty sure that I know it. Brooklyn's in there now. I don't know if it was in the first game, but it is there in the second I, game. Yeah, I don't believe it was in the first game. So yeah, Queens and Brooklyn are are now in there. Um, so now you have almost a maybe about a two thirds of what New York was in the first game just added for this game. Uh, and like I said, I've only Which been is, again crazy. Yeah, and like I said, I've only been played for maybe about five hours, so I haven't gone through through all the accoutrements of this game yet. Um, but so far, it's it's running great. I'm I'm playing it right now on my PC via capture card, so I haven't really experienced it on my 4K TV. Uh, but regardless, it, it's running like a charm. Um, and then, of course, you have the little touches with the Dual Sense controller the the tension of your uh of your of your webbing as you're as you're swinging around New York swinging still as fun as ever and I've seen some of the stuff that you can do in this game when it comes to 
uh, like doing combos from swinging to gliding to dashing midair with uh, like your new spider tech. It's it's really really cool. Um, story wise, like I said, I'm only five five hours in, but uh, still haven't seen any of Venom. This isn't a uh, it's not a spoiler. Venom has been featured way too heavily in like the trailers. Uh, to the point where they just—he's literally in the collector's edition as a statue. Yeah, 19 inches of venom. You can't as, avoid him as they keep. Uh, <laughs> oh, keep bringing, yeah. yes, as they keep sharing that it's 19 inches of venom. Yeah, but the way they phrase it too, um, it was like, get in. Um, can you get all like 19 inches of venom in you or something like that? I'm sure they didn't mean it, but as soon as it was, it was starting one, to right? like to get like memed or joked to death they were like all right let's just run with it because yeah they leaned in hard once they realized where it was going. oh they leaned in hard all right with those 19 inches of yeah yep. um, lean in hard on the 19 inch. yep <laughs> yeah i'm uh i'm excited like it, like i said it's it's more spider-man um some people may be turned off by that but like i don't know arkham city was more arkham asylum but i guess that one had a bigger I guess upgrade considering you went from like these small little biomes to just an entire open world. While here it's a bigger open world and much more densely populated open world. It's a it's the man the techno insomniac are they're wizards over there, man. They keep they keep pumping yeah, I out like, say, quality they... games after quality games. And they, I remember when the PS5 was still relatively new, and they were like, look what you can do in Ratchet and Clank. Like, you can warp between these different, like, through these wormholes instantly, and the level's just there. And I was like, okay, that, that's cool, yeah. And then the PC version does that, too. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's not your PS5 thing. It's just a good tech thing. But honestly, those load times or lack thereof when you're zooming in on the map and, like, instantly transporting around New York, that, that was, that was like, wow, look what the PS5 can do. Like, that was really impressive. And, yeah, and to be fair, I don't know. To do that. I, to be fair, I don't know if the PC wouldn't be able to handle that. I guess it would depend on, like, your sure, SSD. Sure. Um, right. Similar to Ratchet. But even Fight, then, but, it's just still, but still It's still impressive. It, the, yeah. the tech behind their game is impressive, you know? Like, not everybody's going to yeah, be able to do that. Yeah, it reminds me... It's like the 2023 version of when Nintendo, like with Metroid Prime, I was like, wow, they hid the load time behind doors. Because like at the time, that was crazy to make it seamless in that way. And this just feels like the 20 year later version of doing that, you know, like to, right. to make it have it load stuff in the background while you're doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. And have it be that seamless is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Spider-Man 2, I'm going to keep playing it. Man, I'm, I am wanted Liza P to be the next game that I roll credits on. It's, I can't, I don't know what game it's going to be because I have to split time between, I mean, I got to split time between, you know, Spider-Man 2. I still have two Baldur's Gate 3 campaigns that I'm nowhere near to finishing. I'm still playing Marvel Snap. I got back into uh, Valorant and Mario Wonder, I, I got to, you get some time in to play that. I haven't played Apex in a while because I I hate their uh their ranking system for this season, um so I just refuse to play uh. it. Um and then like I still want to play Assassin's Creed Mirage and like I said Mario Wonder is is here and Super Mario RPG is around the corner and it's just oh there's yep no too many great games in too little time. It's even even if you just zoom into just Nintendo, this year's been nuts. Like, 
And somehow I've missed the last three big releases because I've been traveling every single time. But like to have Zelda, Pikmin, and Mario in the span of like, and then my Mario RPG next month in the span of what five, four or five months in the seventh year of a console's life, like just in general, gaming's crazy. And here, Nintendo fan, it's also crazy. Like I, it's. I remember like February, it was like, oh, what's coming out this year? It seems kind of ho-hum. And now it's like everything, everywhere, all at once, not to reference the movie, but kind of referencing the movie. Uh, yeah, like it's it's crazy. So much to play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been yeah. playing. That's what I've been doing. Well, as we continue our travels around what have you been the doing circle anything? here. Like literally anything? Yeah, so I I have done absolutely nothing. No, I, I did my own travels. I was in Vegas this past weekend, which is why I haven't gotten further in Mario Wonder. Um, but yeah, I I was going to Vegas. So it's funny because Vegas like was a trip where I had expectations. I kind of knew what was going to happen. And then like a bunch of stuff I didn't expect happened happened. So I knew I was going to Vegas for when we were Young Fest, second year, headlined by Green Day and Blink-182. I did not know until 45 minutes away from the strip that I was going to be seeing you 2 at the Sphere on the night before when we were Young Fest. And we managed to snag last-second tickets. And my God, the Sphere is a crazy venue. Uh, there's one example. I did know that when I was at... Um, you know, in Vegas, that I would be seeing certain bands. I did not know that I'd be seeing Tony Hawk skateboard in front of me, like 15 feet away. I did know that I'd be at Resort World. I did not know I'd end up at Circus Circus playing F-Zero AX. So, like, it was a very, like, it was a very kind of cool weekend. It was just all these unexpected things kept happening. Um, So I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, when we were young, I don't have a whole lot to say, but it's a festival. It, it leans towards, like, this year it's, like, kind of early 2000s pop punk Um Good show, crowded, insanely hot, like 94 degrees out. Uh, uh, Blink-182 was fun. I, um, You guys big Blink-182 guys at all? I, I think I know the answer for, for Angel, which is probably not. But Kevin, do you, do you like Blink-182? Wow. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong, Angel? Yeah, I love Blink-182. Uh-huh, name Ooh, five shot. of their songs. Go. I have to name five? Yeah, if you love them so much, it should roll right off your tongue. Go. I love the essence of their music. I don't bother trying I to remember the their name. I know the essence of their music. <laughs> like, so as I was saying, I, I know mean, the answer for I, Angel. I, 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 don't rather, I mean, I like that song they do with like the, the What's My Age Again. Okay, there's one. Dang, uh, so I, like I wish the I had a little like, game show. Bing. Yeah, the one that goes What's My Age Again that's called What's My Age Again. Okay, there's one. Can you do four more? You know what? Let's lower it. Two more. Just give me three. Does it have to be three? Like, Why, why can't it just be two? Why can't it just be the essence Fine, of the give me music? one more. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's just the essence. It's just the essence. Um, all right, listen. All right, the, 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 the reason I was asking, and actually, Kevin, what, what's your answer? Because I, I, well, I knew Angel's well, answer. My answer well, is the their last things? good album. Is that, is that... Oh. oh, he got it. He got it. Nice. Okay. All right, cool. Kevin, good job. Good. I mean, hey, you were you off like the hook after we scaled it back. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> after you scaled it back twice and described how you love their essence which sure uh but kevin <laughs> you were saying uh i have been tolerated really with the two what that was the name of one of the songs Does i it... really wish i hated you what that's definitely not but yeah. okay that's On that sounds trip? that sounds like something that they would have released within their last like Three albums. Two, two albums. Uh, Maybe. That my answer is... 2019, but yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, well, 
I can Google too, I guess. <laughs> Go <Wow>. ahead, Kevin. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't tolerated Blink-182 since their self-titled album back in 2003. Fair. Okay, yeah. That, I'm not, that, song, I personally... that, that song, One More Time, that, that they released, yeah. I think is one, oh, no. one of their worst songs like, oh, I love that one. Though. Yeah, I think it's just absolute <laughs> crap. That's listen. I feel like everyone that listens to the podcast doesn't realize that sometimes you or my music tastes do align, and then we go to like uh, run the jewel show together and have a great time, and then Tenacious D shows up and Ramley does an opening DJ set, which makes no sense. It was the most eclectic thing in the world. Like people probably think we just have complete opposite tastes, but it does sometimes line up. Yes, and that run the jewel show was fun. Yeah, that that but, show was fun, um, but. Uh... A Blink-182 album in this case, since we are on 2003, yeah. not fun at all. I, to be honest, I'm not the hugest Blink fan. The new album, One More Time, I actually do like a lot, probably because, I don't know. But um, I will say, going into when we were young, like I, there wasn't any one band I was like, I have to see it. Like, Green Day, I've seen live before, and they're great. So I was like, that'd be cool. Blink will be interesting. It'll be fun to see. Like, the Offspring are there, Good Charlotte, which is kind of funny. Um, but they actually were not bad. Uh, some before you want. Like, it's very early 2000s pop punk Um forgetting some of them already a uh, yellow card you know all that sort of thing michelle branch randomly but like so there wasn't one band that was like oh i definitely have to have to like i have to go for this one band it's kind of like the whole experience but i will say blink 182 like i like their new album i was pleasantly surprised by it. like they put on a great show lots of pyro that was fun um oh i forgot 30 seconds to mars they were also there that was the one i was probably like okay yeah because I, I do like some of their stuff but um yeah so that was a pleasant surprise but the show I saw the night before, like when I turned a one-day festival into my own multi-day festival, um, you guys have probably – you guys must have seen. It went viral like a few weeks ago. You guys must have seen The Sphere, right? Like conceptually what it is. I don't know why you asked that question Maybe. when we definitely discussed this. I don't know if Angel has though. Wow. That's silent. Angel, do you know the essence of the sphere? Can you name two, <laughs> two songs? <laughs> I know they had a Spider-Man 2 add on it. That looked really they cool. did, and that's why I sent you the PlayStation logo from. But yeah, basically, for those who somehow don't know what the sphere is, I know, Kevin, we've talked about it. Um, wow. Imagine, if you will, a 17,000-person arena that's in the shape of a sphere, and you're inside said sphere, and then the eh, 70% of your view... Or 100% if you're sitting in the middle is just screen. Super high res screen. So you could look like you're – it's like 18K or something. You can look like you're outside. Like you, they can make it look like it's the middle of daylight and it will be so bright and the screen will be so big and go so high up over your head and over to the back of the audience that like, yeah, you're outside. It's bright inside. You you know, it, it really feels like – like the lighting feels like you're outside. Oh, now you're uh, – Going through like a slow-mo final destination de destination from Smash Bros. Like into this opening and then you warp and then the stuff. Or, oh, now you're in like a weird like kaleidoscope or, or now you're doing it. It's a venue. I, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like it. It's like typical concert visuals, but it's so massive and so all-encompassing that it's just like it feels like you're in the future. And obviously the outside of the sphere, you know, they can run ads on and stuff. And that whole thing's a screen too. But inside, it's just crazy. Like I don't – like it's – like I'm not the – I like some U2 stuff. I like some of their singles from like the early 2000s. I like some other stuff. I, you know, I've heard uh, the album that they're playing there once or twice before. Uh, uh, 
you know, bits and pieces. I know like Zoo Station, which was that album, like in the early 90s was them kind of doing some like digital, like they did a lot of interesting visual stuff for that album. And it makes sense they would play it here now. But I, um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily going for you too. That was just kind of a bonus. I was going to experience the sphere and it did, it was crit When they were firing on all cylinders and using the full screen and going all in on the effects, it was one of the coolest, most surreal things. Like I, I can't quite put into words how unique it was, but you're literally, the screen is like, it's crazy. Like I, I really don't know how to describe it, but it's crazy. But what was really crazy is we were driving to Vegas and there was no, you know, we were kind of like, we should check out the sphere. Like maybe there's a way to get in. Like not if it's too expensive. Like we don't want to pay an arm and a leg in resale. And then 45 minutes out from the strip, um, we see on Ticketmaster that they just casually release like literally like five or six tickets in like a middle section to the side, but in the middle height. And we're kind of just like, well, when else do we go? Who knows? Supposedly Fish is the next band doing a residency there. And then who knows what's going to happen after that. So who knows when the opportunity will come to actually go in there and experience this crazy technology so we pulled the trigger and three hours later we're in the sphere flying through space and it was really it was really cool like it's it's um it the the viralness of it and the experience it it lives up to it it lives up to it um what i will say though is don't go in expecting it to only be a sphere spectacle like at the end of the day it is you two doing their residency they're there. I think they just extended it for a couple months. Um, it's originally through December, but now it's, uh, I think, through March, February. And, you know, they're doing um, Octon Baby or however you pronounce the first word. I think it's Octon um, yeah. in full, plus some of their biggest hits beyond that, like Elevation and Beautiful Day and Where Streets Have No Name and With or Without You and all that. So they do all that. Um, but it is, first and foremost, you two doing all that. So you're going to a YouTube show, and then the screen is just augmenting that. So there, I would say, maybe half of the show uses the sphere to the full effect. Then other parts of the show just kind of use the fact that their backing screens are massive to just show what's going on on their stage bigger or to do, like, light effects that take up part of the screen. Uh, and then there's a segment where they just want to focus on the band, so they actually don't use the screen at all, and it's just the stage. So... Still very happy I went. Still a really cool experience. But, like, if you're going expecting two straight hours of just the sphere being crazy and sending you flying all over the place and, like, things coming out of it and whatever, like, it's not quite that for full a full two hours. It's probably, like, a decent chunk for sure. But just, you know, go in knowing that. And sometimes because they didn't want to overwhelm or take away some of the um, – presumably take away some of the, the uh, novelty of it, even when it uses the full screen, there's a bunch of stuff that animates – there's some stuff that's a little more static. There's some songs like Elevation where I thought they'd use it and they ended up like not really using it. But then there's other songs without spoiling it, like um, a new one they have called Atomic Sea, where they do some really cool stuff with the screen uh, that I didn't expect. So it's – and then that leads into uh, I think With or Without Your Streets Have No Name or something like that, which uses it even more intensely. So – yeah, it's it's just going knowing not every single song's gonna have it, but it's really cool. And it was one of the few times I feel like I've really been like, wow, this is the future in like a long, long time. Like it to go from that to like a normal concert the next day, it didn't devalue anything at when we were young at all. It was such a different vibe and obviously such a different atmosphere and pop punk versus like classic rock and all that. But there is a world where stuff like the spear with screens like that could I could easily see becoming more of a norm for concerts if there's a place to build it and the technology's there to easily do it 
Um, like it's a really, it's a very different experience at concert you've been to before while also feeling kind of familiar, but it, it was super cool. Like, I don't know how to describe it. It was, yeah, it was, it was really cool. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that we were able to snag those tickets at the last second. Um, so, yeah, so that's the sphere. Terrifying feature indeed. Yeah, no, not terrifying, but, um, actually if you're in the very high seat, so we were in the 200 section, uh, two things. If you're in the 400 section, apparently it's so steep because you're in a sphere, you know, you're kind of up against the top of the circle that, um, like people get Virgo just like trying to walk up and down to their seats. Like it's that steep. But second, don't get 100 level tickets if you have any interest in going because the 100 level has an overhang of the 200 seats. It's the one section they couldn't make fit the curve without having some overhang. Which means if you're in the 100, you're paying full price, but you're not getting the full sphere view. You have a truncated view. You can see the band. You can see part of the screen, but you can't see up. And being able to see up and being able to like actually look around you like a full – like we were kind of to one side. But being able to look to our right, to our left, up, down, and have the screen like surround you is really what kind of makes the experience the experience. Um, also for note, it's not full 360. If you look – you know, where other seats are, there's no screen behind the seats. The, seat, the screen just goes up and around towards to like, it almost looks like there's a giant iPhone notch at the very back of the seating, kind of. Like it kind of like curves around partly and then there's like a fake notch of sorts where the screen isn't. But it's, I, most of your view, most of your periphery is covered by screen, which makes it really engrossing. So, yeah. So that was the sphere. That was when we were young briefly. But I didn't want to talk about F-Zero. Um, I feel like so many people have been wanting an F-Zero GX remaster and then they got F-Zero 99 and we talked about that last episode. But I say if you guys want to experience F-Zero GX in a new way, book a flight to Vegas, go to that weird hotel at the end of the strip, Circus Circus. It's very dated feeling. It's a little creepy. It's kind of dingy. And then go to their arcade and in the back corner – Past the more modern games, past more modern Nintendo arcade games. So walk past Luigi's Mansion, walk past Cruise and Blast, walk past Mario Kart. And in the back corner are two F-Zero AX machines, one of which is completely out of commission. Like it had like caution tape over it. So I don't know if that's dead or for good or what. And the other one, the one I played, um, doesn't have a driver license printout thing like it used to back in the day. It used to give you a card for your progress and it doesn't let you plug in your GameCube memory slot anymore. Or memory card into the slot anymore like it used to. But besides that, it's F-Zero. Like you don't have an experience now on GameCube. It's um, – I don't know how familiar – I don't know if you guys are particularly familiar with how F-Zero AX came about. But basically, Sega, as, as we all know, made F-Zero GX. In tandem, they made F-Zero AX. They actually – Nintendo, Sega, and Namco back in the GameCube days teamed up on a special arcade circuit board called the Triforce fitting. Um, and the Triforce board or whatever – uh, it was like GameCube internals mixed with some Dreamcast bits and bobs, uh, which is kind of how this whole thing came about. So originally when they made the Triforce collaboration together, that sort of led Sega to then make an F-Zero that would be in arcades and on GameCube. And it's been very hard to find the F-Zero arcade version uh, for most people. I think there's 20 in the United States total. I don't know how many of those are even in commission, like still for functioning. Is that our closest one? Um, I believe that's the closest one, yeah. And I didn't even remember I, – I, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever – I've never played it before. I might have seen it before. Have, you, have either of you played it? I mean it sounds like if you just remember seeing it, you probably didn't play it. Kevin. Angel, have you ever tried AX? Not, no, not, not the arcade machine, just the content. 
That's about it. Right, because you can unlock the content in F-Zero. And it was discovered like 10 years ago now, because that arcade machine, by the way, is literally 20 years old. And it shows. I'll get to that. But um, oh, about 10 years ago, someone... Yeah, exactly. But but even then, like, you walk up to it and the screen, it's like running like a 4.3, like what 2003 thought was a decent TV screen. It's like you walk up, it's like this fuzzy, pixelated, like like it looks like, you know, standard def. Like, it's definitely... An old school screen, um, but but yeah, about a decade ago they discovered some like data miners or something found that not just the tracks but the entire structure and everything. Of, basically, all of F Zero AX is hidden away in the files of GX. So if you have a way to dig through, not that we support illegal piracy, but if you have a way to dig through the files of GX, you can actually get up and running the AX structure and games and the slight tweaks to its system like because it's an arcade racer um there are time checkpoints like if you don't get to certain points fast enough kind of like in some of the single player mode gx but like for all races and ax if you don't get to certain points fast enough you lose that's it um so that whole structure and all the tracks and all the exclusive cars from ax are buried in the files of gx but if you want to experience ax in its full glory if you will uh, go find a machine because I didn't know this. It moves when you steer. Like I thought it was just an arcade machine of GX that had some different tracks. And then I walk up to it and there's a seat belt. And I'm like, hmm, okay, this can't be that serious. But it says to put it on, so I put it on. And then I'm reading all the like kind of not greatly translated stuff on the arcade board because so few were made in America or made it to America that I don't think they bothered really doing like good translations. <laughs> so I'm reading like the mostly solid but occasionally broken English that's saying like there's a pressure sensor. Like if it senses anything by where your feet should be, that shouldn't be there, it, it will stop. And I'm like, this seems like a lot. And then the game started. And the seat started to kind of like rumble a little when I was boosting. And as I was turning, it started to turn with me. And I was like, oh, this thing actually rocks like on a on the uh, like X axis sort. like you actually turn with it. And then I discovered the drift mechanic, which here or not the drift, the uh, slide here. So, in you know, in a standard F-Zero game, you just kind of tap and you can like sort of flatly go left or right and versus steer here. They're like kind of like these pedal shifter things paddle shifters i mean like behind the steering wheel when you hit those the thing turns like your whole like the whole unit literally jolts to the side and it, it, it's pretty effective even 20 years later the hydraulics are um, pretty effective uh, so hmm. maybe i'm misremembering things but doesn't mario kart gp do this too i don't recall it tilting I angel do you remember warn it or not tilted but i could have sworn that it's that it it's it rumbles for sure. It rumbles, but this one actually like moves, like physically. Like I was like rocked around, like sideways. Yeah, uh, yeah. I could have sworn. I could have sworn. Yeah. It, it like it like. Yeah, no. Uh, GP right, rumbles though. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and and I honestly thought when it started rumbling, like at the start of racing, it was kind of me. I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be. That's all it's gonna be. And then once I started moving, and I didn't even re- I didn't even notice the paddle shifters at first. Um. So. The first race, I was like, oh, this isn't too crazy. And I was like, oh, paddle shifters. I should try those. And then when I did it in the second race, I um, another thing about Circus Circus, it's dead on a Sunday afternoon. So I had the machine to myself huh. for half an hour. Circus Circus is dead on any afternoon. 
I know. Well, you know what's really sad? So when I was walking through to the arcade, they have like the midway and then they have this area where they have like live circus acts. And there's this poor woman doing this balancing act like in a leotard, like these giant like beach ball looking things. And there were three people watching her. Just three. It seated at least a hundred. And there were three. And I could tell she just was like so not wanting to be there. And I felt so bad for her. And then I went and played F-Zero and forgot about her completely. So... Uh, but, but yeah, no, it was, it's great. Like that's the other nice thing about if you go to circus circus is you could just walk in and there's no one there. So I got like $10 worth of credits that got me a full half hour. Basically, you know, every race was, I think 11 credits, $10 gives you a hundred credits. So I was there, I was there for a good while and it was, it was great. But the game itself, like, it still plays and feels like SA or GX, but just the idea that like, it's sort of this more visceral way to experience it because you're rocking and rolling and tilting, um, yeah, like this isn't the remaster people want, but it's a great way to experience the GX you remember in a different format. And it's 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 rarely there at Circus Circus, no line. So I would encourage anyone that's in Vegas to to take the detour. It's not going to blow your mind necessarily, but it's fun. It's a fun time. Um, and it's fitting that I happened to discover this being there. I know people have known it's been there for years, but I personally discovered it being there. Uh, like right after F zero ninety nine came out, so I feel like I'm in like this F zero headspace lately, um, and this is just kind of piled awesome, onto though. that. But it's always one yeah. of those things that I hope we do in Vegas, but we just never get around to it. Like I think I've, I don't know how long I've known about it, but it's always like I think there was one time where we walked, what felt like forever to get shorts, and I think we were at that point pretty close to Circus Circus that I was like, we should go play F zero, but. I guess we're on a tank. I mean, what what helps is I literally was just like that. My weekend was just living on the north side of the strip. Like the sphere is at the Venetian. I was staying at Resort World. When we were young, Fest was at the Las Vegas Festival Grounds, which is just past Circus Circus if you're walking north. Everything I did was in like a three-block radius. So I was literally less than five minutes from F-Zero. Was, and that's when I was like, I got to do it. <laughs> was when we were young, uh, Fest, the same weekend as uh, TwitchCon? TwitchCon. It was, and TwitchCon took over Resort World pretty much. Like, everyone in the elevator had TwitchCon badges. And that's why I think uh, PlayStation was running Spider-Man ads on the Sphere, because you could see it from so, Resort World. You could see so it from the you, convention center. What, which hotel did you stay at? Because I think there's, like, three of them. Resort World. Oh, oh, I was – so this year I was at the Hilton. Last year I did the middle one, which was the Conrad. Okay, so it, so an elevator yeah. was malfunctioning in the Conrad this weekend. Where oh. where it fell ten stories, it it like started smoking and it fell ten stories. It free falled. When did stories. this happen? Uh, I was literally in that hotel and I had no idea. I don't remember. I don't remember when it happened, but I was. But obviously, I'm I'm like into the whole Twitch scene. Or that that sounds right, so lame. right. Uh, but like uh, this podcast of uh, Twitch streamers that I listen to, we're talking about how the elevator in the Conrad, uh, one of the elevators, not obviously not. I don't know which one it was, but one that lived in Conrad, right. uh, at some point, uh, free fell 10 stories or 10 stories, 10 floors, 10 floors. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's all one building, but there's different sections. So to speak, like it all feeds into one casino, but like we walk down one hallway to one elevator bank for Hilton versus another for Conrad versus another for the fancy one, the Crockford, um, which is the only one we haven't stayed at yet. Cause yeah. it's a little too fancy. Funny enough. Having been there twice, because I know everyone's coming to this podcast for reviews of rooms in Vegas hotels that are multi-branded. Funny enough, uh, I think we preferred the overall 
look and feel of the Hilton room over the Conrad room. Even though the Hilton is the cheapest of the three and the Conrad was physically bigger and the Conrad had a quote-unquote view of the strip when we were in it. Um, I say that because they lit uh, Resort World's next to a giant empty lot and then Trump Tower on one side and then the strip's kind of off to the left if you look like towards the left. Um, So you're mostly looking at an empty lot in Trump Tower. But um, yeah, even with all that stuff that Conrad had going for it, like I think we preferred like the, the overall look and feel of the Hilton room. So save a few bucks. If you don't mind a city view where you're looking the other way north towards like downtown and stuff, still very nice views. We were on the 57th floor. It's pretty nice. Also cool thing if you do the Hilton route, you can pick your room when you check in. They give you every available room and you just pick the one you want. So we went with the highest one up. Not to get a free fall elevator. You know, we could go to um, Guardians of the Galaxy at Disney for that. But to, you know, get a nice view. So. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it for my Vegas adventures. Um, I really can't. I feel like I didn't do the sphere justice in describing it. Um, it's really cool. Like I'm a huge nerd of new fan, of like new tech, experiencing new sorts of weird t- like types of technology and stuff. And like, it checked all the boxes. It was super so, cool, and it's hard to put into words. So the the sphere is it double layered? Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, like uh, inside and outside? Yeah. Like there's an outside screen and inside? Yes. So the outside is one whole screen. And then the inside, which also has beyond the the auditorium itself, it also has, you know, a lobby, concessions, escalators to get to the different levels. Uh, it has all that. Yeah. So there's a sphere. There's the outside, including the lobby being in the sphere, is one giant screen. And then the – or panels really. You could actually kind of see during parts of the show when they had spotlights on you too, like how the light was like bouncing off the screen when it wasn't running anything. You could kind of see how it is. It's basically like a – it's like a bunch of pixels. It's like sort of like a lattice work. And if you shine light on it the right way, the light will go through the gaps in the pixels. You can actually kind of see like a hint of the lattice work behind it. But it's really subtle and you have to look for it. Um, and the outside, that's much more apparent during the day and the pixels are actually much bigger. The outside uses probably – a slightly different version of the screen. Like when you're walking next to it really close, you just see dots. Mm-hmm. Like you you can't – like it, it's that big. You can see each individual pixel. They're like probably – I don't know. They're big. Um, but when you're inside, it's much tighter and it, it, the screen is probably higher quality as a result. So it's different screens, yes. Um, but the whole experience, one, one thing I should mention, one cool thing they do is when you're in the lobby – has mood lighting. It's like purple and blue. It has like a hologram thing of like a spinning logo for like the U2. Like the show's called U2 UV, the uh, Austin Baby Live, whatever. Uh, They have like a spinning U2 UV on like this hologram projector kind of thing. They have like these giant rings with lights in them and they don't play music in the traditional sense. Like, you know, you go to a venue or something and they're playing like random pop hits or whatever or, or nothing. They're playing like ambient noise kind of. And then you like go in to your seat and they have the screen just displaying what looks like essentially like a a wall of like metal panels. And if you look real close, like if you really look at it, you could tell they're rendered and not actual metal panels. But the effect works. And even if you look up while you're waiting for the show to start, they have like a ceiling with like a hole in it. And like a bird will occasionally fly in and sit on like the top rafter and then fly out. But obviously it's all digital. And then about 10 minutes before U2 comes on, they have a helicopter fly over um, the hole in the ceiling. Obviously, again, all digital to kind of signal, oh, they're coming. They're almost here. And then, you know, a few minutes later it begins. And I I won't spoil the rest except to say one thing I forgot. It has 
wind effects. Our seats had a wind effect. It was subtle. But there's one moment during Vertigo where they use it. And you're like, okay, this, this is pretty cool. Like, it actually, like, we felt a breeze that we didn't feel at a time when we were supposed to be feeling wind. And it worked. And it, it was actually pretty cool. So, anyway, now I'm done gushing, I promise. Um, One other thing, though, this is kind of breaking news tonight as we were getting ready to record uh, that we were going to touch on really briefly. And I think we're out of topics unless you guys have anything else. But um, Nintendo's kind of been in some, I don't know if I'd call it, hot water, but they're getting some blowback. They uh, announced some new guidelines. Yeah, yeah, they announced some new guidelines around community tournaments, which they define as tournaments that are under a certain number of people. I think it's uh, under 200 people in person or 300 online versus tournaments that are bigger than that and will require basically licensing with Nintendo. Which you are guaranteed to get, by the way. Which you aren't guaranteed to get and you cannot apply for as an individual who wants to host a massive tournament only as some sort of corporation or organization. And that would be modern games. They can't even do older games, which is crazy. Yeah, it's unclear like what happens if someone wants to do Melee, for example. But basically – I mean you can if you want to break the law and have well, the Nintendo yeah, Ninjas I mean, come in. Yeah. No, go. but if, if you want to run an underground like Melee ring, you could. Um, but yeah, basically – I feel like when Nintendo did stuff with, like, what was that company that kind of went belly up in the chaos? Panda? Panda. Gaming. Yeah, like, they've done some stuff with different organizations. They've obviously worked with Evo. And in those situations, Nintendo struck essentially licensing deals. Now what they seem to be doing is flipping the script for these bigger organizations and saying, hey, if you want a license, we're not going to come to you. You come to us and fill out an application that will be available in early November, and we'll decide if we want to associate with your kind. And if we say yes, great, you're good. And if we say no, you can't do anything. So that that part of it's like, all right, that's not that crazy. I think League does similar. I think a lot of games have, if you're doing like corporate major tournaments, you have some sort of structure in place where the company who puts on the game or puts out the game can, you know, facilitate who they want to be associated with their product on, at that large scale. Where it gets weird is if you are considering uh, a smaller tournament, so up to 200 people in person, up to 300 people online, Nintendo calls these community tournaments. And um, there's a few things you can't do anymore. First of all, you cannot charge for online spectators. But okay, whatever. I have a reasonable. You can only offer Yeah. You can only offer prizes up to five thousand bucks. Okay, whatever. I can see how that could be an easy barrier. You know, if you cross that, are you someone that's a corporation? Are you trying to make money off this? And here uh, and and here's where my first red flag comes in where yeah. I don't know how many of these small underground tournaments are making more than like, I don't know if the prize pool would really be over $5,000. Maybe I'm speaking out of my ass here. Um, but the fact that it's capped at all is weird. A little. It's a little weird. Yeah, because yeah, it's like if people are contributing on their own. If a bunch of millionaires get together and want to play Smash Bros, can they not because they'll exceed $5,000? Right, like, like, it, like you know what it, I mean? Like, like a 200-person 200, <laughs> 200 event, if everybody pitches in like $10, that's only $2,000. So I can... You know, yeah, 4, and that's, 000, it, it's it's a little weird that it's capped, but not unreasonable that's, in my opinion. Right, and that's weird what I'm kind of saying but, too but is yeah. 
it's weird, but like I can see how you're like you play the odds mm-hmm. and you're just like if you're in Nintendo and you're like, listen, if you're over a certain threshold, you're not a bunch of millionaires. Right. You're just a company trying to get by. So I get that. Right. I also kind of understand this idea that they want to block people from having it to have a subscription to a service in order to watch these tournaments. So they say, you know, you can't have something similar to like a YouTube premium requirement or like be subscribed to Twitter or, you know, be part of a twi- like it has to be if it's going to be a thing that people can watch, it has to be a thing people can watch. Like you can't make money off that because you're I get that. It's not hugely different than like if you play music or movies in a certain setting that you try and make for profit, that's not allowed either. Where it gets weird is when they get into stuff like you can't do it for charity. You can't sell food or drink at your tournament. And basically, you can't make any money that could come anywhere near breaking even. They literally say in it, like, we can provide guidelines for how you can lose money on this. So if you try and just break even just to do it for fun, nope. If you're selling food just to counterbalance the fact that you're renting the space, nope. Like, that's all out. And that's where it gets ridiculous to me. Insane. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. There's yeah. an exception. If you're a school or doing it between two schools. Also, I think my AirPods just died. Oh, uh, so yeah, they definitely, to, did. Um, they definitely did. They definitely did. Me and Angel noticed. Yeah. Listen, you can We're... hear you guys on my recording. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Hold on. Uh, I'm just going to put it up to my ear. Okay. That works. This is great. So I'm sorry to anyone listening if suddenly you hear, like, faint voices. My AirPods both simultaneously died, which is a first. Um, I but anyway, yeah. So last night, so, I charged them right before we recorded. I think they're getting old. They're sounds like you need years new old. AirPods, or it you sure just does. use Apple, one and up. then just switch out to yeah. the other one. Imagine. What I could do, if you all talk amongst yourselves about the absurdity of not letting people sell food and drink, I can go get a different pair of headphones. Real I mean, is there now, much this, more? This is fine for this is fine no. for me and me and Angel. Okay. Well, anyway, so the only time, the only exception to all this is if you're a school doing a school tournament. Nintendo's cool with that because they love education. But literally everything else, it just seems like such overreach to me. I mean, I don't know how you, how you yeah, I don't know. Angel, you do a lot of tournaments. Like this probably shouldn't directly affect you because they're really small. But like, theoretically, have you ever tried to buy food or a drink yeah, at a like tournament? Because the, now you can't. Theoretically, <laughs> you go to a, uh, an ultimate tournament, like at a bar. They can't sell you beer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Half the ones I've do... been to lately have been in breweries, so. Yeah. Yeah. So... And do, does a brewery co sponsor or sponsor it? No. I then guess. maybe technically they might technically, be able to sell you. I mean, it's their own beer that, that they're sometimes selling, but. But, but I don't think it's. I mean, the entry fee is literally buy a beer. See, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know. You can't sell food or drink at a tournament anymore. I don't know. I mean, there'll be. It's not like Nintendo's gonna go hunt down all these tournaments and shut them down. But just on principle, it's so like, like I get. So if I'm Nintendo, I understand kind of what I'm doing here because Nintendo as a company is very protective of their IPs and very protective of like brand safety around them and the brand image. Um, I was just tweeting this earlier today, but there, there's this is the company that I don't know if you guys remember when we used to go to E3 or Comic Con. If you took a picture of someone playing, like if I wanted to take a photo or a video angel of like you playing, I don't know, Hyrule Warriors at Comic Con, the Nintendo person at that stand would say, no, Angel needs to be in the video or photo too. You cannot take an off screen photo or video of just a game. We want the image of these games to be 
a person enjoying it, maybe with a smile on their face. So you, as regular consumer who happens to be trying this game, needs to conform to how we want the game presented and can only take a picture or video if you do it with that person in the video or picture with the game. And they said that for years. And that was always kind of silly. But if you think about that logic, like they want the game presented this way. They want this image, this reputation, this thing. I almost see where they're coming from with some of these decisions because they don't want alcohol associated with Smash Bros. They don't want a sponsor that they can't be, you know, responsible for ensuring does good alcohol, by the brand. Like they, alcohol is the only way I tolerate Smash. Yeah, well, that's that's another story entirely. But um, I mean, we also but, I'm not saying, indulged in something in the past called Smash Smash. Yeah, I know. We used to do. Yeah. We used to do. Yeah, we would basically play co- for the. I don't think we ever talked about a podcast, but basically we would play co-op or not co-op, but like two on two. And anytime we'd win as a team, cool. And anytime we lose, we have to take a shot. It's a very quick way to get drunk, <laughs> but because I dragged you down so much, but. um no, but, like, I, I almost get from Nintendo's perspective, like, why they're doing this, but the extent and the extreme to which they're doing it is just, like, like they, I feel like they, they kind of went a little further than they needed to go. Everything until, like, you can't sell food, you can't sell food. And there's a bunch of stuff I didn't mention. Those are kind of the highlights. There's a bunch of other weird oddities that Nintendo's just saying, basically, if you want to sell food or drink, if you want to break even, if you want to make it a charity event, if you want to do X, Y, or Z, you actually need to be licensed through us. You can't just do it even if it's only 50 people. Or you do it for up to 200 people, but good luck. Hopefully no one gets hungry. So it's just such a weird, yeah. It's, it's one of those things that Nintendo is just Nintendoing to the Nintendoist degree, I guess. Yeah, and I, so. I said this on Twitter, but it's a shame that some of the most talented and creative developers, video game developers in the world, work with a company or work for a company that is so out of touch with its community. What I do appreciate, though, is that more and more people online, I mean, you've always kind of seen this, but more and more people generally, like the general discussion and like, seems to be not Nintendo's the problem, it's Nintendo's business team that's like they understand that the developers are not responsible like i feel like this was 10 years ago just like oh everyone nintendo sucks now like everyone seems to be making that distinction which is nice at least for the folks who aren't responsible yeah and who do want competitive play you know like someone like sakurai he always says you know with smash bros is a party game but then he builds in all sorts of tournament features like the dude probably likes the, the scene and or at least the concept of the scene maybe not some of the people in the scene uh, and I'm sure, you know, appreciates that people are now able to separate him from some of these decisions or that the, the general conversation has moved in the direction of understanding it's important to separate him from some of these decisions. So, but yes, it's, it's definitely kind of a backwards. It's apparently even more strict in Japan, but apparently esports in general are more strict in Japan. But yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see, like if Nintendo basically is like, here, you submit a form, we give you access you can do your tournament. We just don't want any like sex, drugs, or rock and roll associated with it. Like, if they're able to just kind of like let anyone submit, it's a really easy, seamless process. This might all be for nothing. Like, you might just be like, okay, if you want to host a tournament, you just give Nintendo a heads up. Maybe they even like for some tournaments send like a little swag package or something to make it more like an official sanctioned event. Maybe. But because we don't know and because of Nintendo's history, like it just sounds so like ridiculous. Right and it's now, also it's something that shouldn't have to do. It's, yeah, it, that's it's, true. Yeah. I think that's what bothers me the most. I, I, like you said, if the process is simple, cool, but it should we shouldn't even be doing it. It shouldn't even yeah. be happening. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. 
I I think it could be like a nice like if you like I feel like Nintendo if they want to kind of win some favor here. Like if they like I said, if they like made it like oh if you register your tournament with us we'll like make it like a sanctioned tournament you get to like say it's an official tournament you get to like pass out smash buttons or smash coins or smash pins or something like then it's kind of like okay so you might actually want to do it just to like get the swag for people that are participating or something but I seriously doubt they're gonna do that they're not looking at it as a as a community building exercise they're looking at it as an IP crackdown exercise so yeah yeah but I can dream. Maybe someone at Nintendo, and the, and the thing is, there are people inside Nintendo who very much support the scene. I mean, the Nintendo Versus account, the tournaments they do throw while in their weird Nintendo ways have their weird Nintendo rules, but you know they do appreciate. They have like a team. They have a high school thing, like with some high school esports league. Like they definitely like see that there's potential there. I know for a fact some people like there's a Treehouse member named JC who's very closely associated with like the Smash competitive scene. And spearheaded a lot of the Nintendo versus stuff and made it a thing. Build Trend and I know supports like competitive Splatoon play. So people inside Nintendo definitely value this community. I think it's just the business people who are kind of the like executives that make the decisions and the so-called thought leaders in this space of within Nintendo that are not as much in favor and are more worried about how does the brand look to others? You know, is Mario next to someone eating weed? gummies like oh i can't have that like you know like that that's probably where a lot of this is coming from so yeah but it it was kind of an interesting thing to see blow up online today i mean like i said deserved i don't yeah yeah frustrating it's just them it's 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 them just overreaching in the it's them doing what they normally do just reaching overreaching compared to how they normally do it yeah yeah so yeah Anyway, on that note, I don't think Grand Nintendo is going to be hosting a Smash or Splatoon or any other tournaments anytime soon. So we're in the clear. Uh, and I think, unless you guys have anything else, we are done for this episode as well. I'm going to host one out of spite. You go, what? Oh, host, host a tournament out of spite. Out of spite. <laughs> yeah, you, you should. And uh, I promise I won't report you to Nintendo. No, do it. Report. I want to see what they do. Okay. Can you imagine if crack they, like, down on me up? like you cracked down on the forums back in the day or whatever you used to do? Narc. Yeah, yeah. I cracked down on people spamming up Nintendo. I cracked down on so many people that after Harry Potter came out would go, Snape killed Dumbledore, Snape killed Dumbledore. I deleted so many of those posts. You're welcome, Nintendo fan base that wasn't spoiled thanks to me. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You're a hero. I probably deleted at least 50 of those. I am a hero. Not all heroes wear capes, you know? I don't, for example. Anyway, <laughs> I think that basically does it for this episode. So um, just to do some quick housekeeping, uh, Random or Nintendo can be found on all your favorite podcast apps. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, uh, TuneIn, um, for now Google Podcasts. But I don't know how long those are sticking around. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. Not YouTube Music, just straight up YouTube. Ram Nintendo, at Ram Nintendo is where you can find us, which is also where you can find us on Twitter. These are all great ways to make sure that you don't miss our next episodes, especially the next one. If you're wondering what we're going to think of the new Mario, that's when you can find out the answer. And there's the wonder pun that Angel said I was going to say. I said it. It's done. Uh, we're also individually on the internet. I am JSR7 on Twitter and threads and Instagram and wherever else you may be. Kevin is KV. M, wait, KVN Gomi on Twitter 
Angel is World of Wear Rose with an S at the end on Instagram. And honestly, Angel, those if, if for those who haven't checked him out, Angel for his whole Japan trip, as if you didn't hear about it enough this episode, go look at his World of Wear Rose because he does a really cool thing where he'd take photos from the trip and like draw in like the, the wear version of himself. And it, it was a really cool way to follow along with your trip, Angel. Oh, thank you. I yeah, yeah I feel I found my my way that I a nice in between of drawing and posting online. I did just kind of like fall off the face of the earth with like cool on the trip. I think I did mention it's the last full day, but you know there was no like, yep, I'm back from the trip or it's over. I just like done. So yeah, but if people want to go see those. They're 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 yeah, fun, yeah. and there's usually like a couple oh, yeah. per post, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, so we'll see so yeah go check next. those out. Yeah, that's the only one worth following at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the only one I plug at this point. Cool. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's where you can find all of us on the internet. Again, you can also find find us at Ram Nintendo. And uh, with that, we'll see you in a couple weeks, hopefully. And Kevin, final words, all yours. I did the la- the final word last week, last episode. And Angel, final words, all yours. <laughs> that was the final word. 